said, the millennium is at hand. Man has invented everything that can be invented. He's done all he could do. These words were spoken by a bishop at a church gathering in 1870. Now, they were challenged by the man who was presiding over this uh, church gathering. And he said, no, there's going to be another great invention within the next 50 years. And then the bishop asked him to, to name such an invention. And he said, well, I think men are going to be able to fly. And the bishop said, that's blasphemy. This is a true story, by the way. That's blasphemy. Don't you know that only angels can fly? You know who that bishop was? That bishop's name was Milton Wright. You know who his sons were? Orville and Wilbur Wright. See, Milton Wright, the bishop, wasn't ready to embrace change. <laughs> he thought the way it was was okay. That was his mindset, but he was wrong. But he wasn't willing to, to look at things differently. He looked at things like they're fine as they are. Status quo, if you will. I'm sure at some point he congratulated his sons, <laughs> even though they may have proved him wrong. But if you are a growing and maturing disciple, we should listen and apply the teachings of Jesus. If you're growing and maturing, you've got to apply. You've got to listen to them and you've got to apply them. And... He taught us, Jesus did, that to walk in faith and to live in obedience is going to require of us some new steps. It's going to require of us some new way of thinking. It's going to require of us to take certain actions on things that maybe we have not done before. Now picture being on a small boat somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., you're out on the water in the middle of the night and a tropical storm rolls in. And waves are crashing and the ship's being tossed back and forth and they're beating the ship. And these are not vessels like are made today. These, this I'm talking about, this is in the, the first century, let's say. And then you and your friends are on this boat in the middle of the sea with all of this storm and nothing but darkness all around in the middle of the night. And you look out and you see a ghost standing out there. Now, my question to you is, would you be scared? Would you be afraid? Now, be honest. Yes or no, would you be afraid? I'd be afraid if there was no ghost standing out there. If I was out in the middle of the sea with waves crashing in a boat, churning back and forth. But the, the people who were on that boat, this group of friends, were the disciples. And the ghost that they thought they saw was actually Jesus. Not a ghost, but it was him. And the scripture says they were terrified. And he knew that, and so he speaks to them and he says, Hey, it is I. Do not be afraid. So at that point they see, oh, well, that's Jesus, okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> it's not what we thought it was. It's him. Now when Jesus is standing out, if you can just picture this now, out on this stormy water, and he's standing out there, and there on the boat, he calls to Peter to come join him. Now I want you to be honest. Would you get out of that boat and walk out there? I got to give Peter a little bit of credit. He was up and down a lot of times. But man, he got out of the boat 
and walked toward Jesus. He was walking on the water. And it goes like this in Matthew chapter 14, verses 29 to 31. It says this. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, there are new things, there are new things that God is and will be asking us to do that is going to entail a greater requirement of faith and a greater requirement of obedience. He is doing it and he will do it. As we recover as a community, as a church, as a nation, coming out of this COVID-19, he's going to be asking us, he is asking us and he will be asking us to do this. Now, I'm going to ask you today to join me. And I'm putting myself right there in it. Join me in opening your heart to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to lead us in our individual lives, to lead us in our uh, lives here as we, as we serve in our church, to lead us to bigger things, to lead us to better things, to lead us to new things. That's what I would ask you to join me in doing today. Because this season is something that we're coming out of. I didn't hear anybody say amen to that. This is the season that we've been in, COVID-19. We're coming out. Okay. Ask the Lord to reveal these things to you. Join me in this. Ask Him to reveal these things to you just like Peter. Demonstrate a willingness. A, a willingness to step out of the boat. To step into new areas. To new areas of, uh, of, of, of service. And opportunities to serve. To step into new areas of obedience. To step into new areas of ministry. You know, ministry is not just for me or Pastor Bill. You know, everyone's a minister. Minister's for everybody. Ministry is for everybody. Ask him to reveal these things to you. And faith and works, I think, sort of work side by side. I read this illustration. I thought it was really cool. It's like it gets to be like walking. So if you take a step of faith, you take a step of works. Take a step of faith, take a step of works. Faith, works, faith. Then all of a sudden, if you start walking like that, it becomes natural. You don't even think about it anymore. I'm walking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have faith, but I'm going to do something. Faith, works, faith, works. And before you know it, they just almost become synergized together. Can't even tell the difference between them almost anymore. Next point I want to make is that Jesus... Jesus greatly respected, had a huge amount of respect for those who risked disgrace, who risked embarrassment, who uh, maybe risked being let down when they exercised their faith by coming to him. He respected that. Matthew 15, the, the story of the Canaanite woman. I want to read this. Matthew 15, starting in verse 22. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. 
And Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him. Now that means she came again. She came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And Jesus said, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Boy, that that could have been like, well, okay. That would have maybe been it. No. She came again. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as your desire. And her daughter was healed. Her daughter was healed like this woman now. We need to be bold. We need to be willing to take a chance. To take some risk every once in a while. To see if you want to see God and if we want to see God deliver immense and powerful things into our lives and to the lives of those around us, we got to be willing to do that. Got to be willing to take some chances. Smith Wigglesworth, the great uh, British evangelist, and he wrote, one of the most probably powerful books in the history of modern time history, I'd say, last couple of hundred years or whatever. Uh, he was very influential in the Pentecostal movement as well, and, and, and so many of you may know who he is. But he said this, very simple. Fear looks. Faith jumps. <laughs> Boy, I wish I'd have said that. Fear looks. Faith jumps. The next point is Jesus taught us this. If we're not willing to change, if we, you and I, aren't willing to change and step out of our comfort zone, we jeopardize everything. We jeopardize everything that we have, folks. You may think you're protecting it. No, you're putting it at risk. You're jeopardizing it. Remember the story of the rich young ruler? Matthew 19, 16. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But 19, 16 says this. And behold, a man came up to him, came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, What good deed must I do to have eternal life? He's asking Jesus a question. Now Jesus goes on to say some other things, but I'm going to pick it back up here in verse 21. Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Now, he was asking him to come follow him just like he did those other guys. There's a big difference between them and this guy. He didn't do it, for one thing. But why didn't he do it? When the young man heard this, verse 22 says, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Is that what he was holding on to? Was he holding on to that and missed out on all that those disciples were able to do over the next three years? Because he held on to something that didn't matter. He held on to something that didn't matter. We, and when I say we, I mean this, folks. I'm right here in this boat. We must resist any reluctance to step out of our comfort zone. We have to do it. And let me just say this. There's an enemy out there that's battling us. How many have been in a fight with the enemy this week a little bit? Okay. If you haven't, please see me after. I'm going to lay off some of my stuff on you. (laughs) I'm kidding. But look, there's an enemy Don't let him con you. Do you know that the devil's the greatest con man that's ever walked the face of the world or been a part of the world? He's a con man. Don't let him con you. Don't let him swindle you out of all that God has, the awesome plans that he has for your life. Don't let him do it. 
because he's a con man and a swindler. Don't miss what God can use you to do to impact others. That may be others right inside your home. It may be others in your sphere of influence. But don't miss what God wants to use you to do to impact others. Max Lucado, who's a pastor and an author, and many of us maybe know who he is, he said this. Faith is not the belief that God will do what you want. It is the belief that God will do what is right. Now think about that with the rich young ruler. He didn't tell him what he wanted to hear. He could have told him all kinds of things. But he told him what was right. See, that's what faith is. Our faith today has to be that way. That we trust God. Not to tell us what we want. And to, and to, and to believe that he's going to do it the way we want to do it. We've got to believe that God's going to do what's right and trust that. Trust that. I preached a message last year uh, about how God had spoken to Abraham and uh, Abram at the time. And it's in verse, uh, uh, or rather, excuse me, uh, chapter 12 of Genesis, verses 1 and 2. I just want to read you this again very quickly. New Living Translation here. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Very important what it says there, that I will show you. Well, I'm showing you now that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Now, again, just to make sure that we understand that, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country. Leave all that's familiar to you. Leave your relatives and your father's family. And go to the land that I will show you. I'm not going to tell you when or where, but go. What did he do? He went. He followed. He stepped out of, if anybody ever did, Abraham did. He stepped out of his comfort zone, stepped out of the safety of all of the things that he had around him and had established in his life, and he stepped out in obedience. And what happened? God made him the father of all nations. And the blessings of God fell down upon Abraham in great ways. You know this. Jesus knew this. He knew this, that it is naturally appealing to us, all of us, our, our human nature, it's naturally appealing to us to stay with the status quo. It, it just is. That's just, that's just, just the, the way that we're wired. Don't rock the boat. No, let, let's stay with what we're accustomed to doing. I've got things sort of worked out and they're, and they're settled and they're comfortable now. Let me, let me just stay with that. Jesus knew that. That's why he taught about so many things here. And as we come out of this season now, I'm going to say this one more time, we're coming out. Say that with me. We're coming out. <laughs> We're coming out of this now. As we come out of this season, would you join me? And I mean join me because I'm doing this. Would you join me in asking God to be in just some way more like Abraham? Willing to, to just take that step in a way that leaves everything. I'm not asking you to leave everything. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But just to be more like him in, the, in how he did Abraham did not hesitate to go into uncharted territory. He didn't hesitate to do it. I'm going to tell you why in just a second. Abraham activated his faith. He activated his faith. It rose up in him. And because of that, he grew in his faith. Oswald Chambers, who's a 
you know, the Scottish evangelist and wrote the book, uh, My Utmost for His Highest. If you haven't read that book, read it. You can get it free, I think, on Amazon now, on, on electronic version. My utmost for your highest. Anyway, Oswald Chambers said this, Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. Now, I want to tell you very quickly, I know there have been many times in my life when I have heard the voice of God. Not audible voice, I'm not saying that. But I'm not saying that can't happen. I have not heard that. I know those that have. But I've heard, I know God is speaking. I know when he's there. Now, I know other times when I feel like he's leading me and I'm following I'm, and I'm being led by his spirit. But there's times I know God has spoken to me and I have that, that confidence. I know what it is. And that time is like, this what reminded me of this is that faith is a deliberate confidence. It is a decision that we have to make. It's not something that just happens automatically. We have to do that. We have to, to believe that there is, and have deliberate choice in the confidence, in the character of God, in who he is. And all those times that I've heard from God, and I know it's been him, and I know I've heard the voice of the Lord, I've never understood it. Completely. I understood some things about it, but I understood just enough to take that step. And then here's what happens. Romans 4. This is talking about Abraham now. Romans 4. Chapters uh, 4, 21 Uh, 20 and 21, from the Amplified Version now. Talking about Abraham. But he did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and empowered by faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced. See, Abraham had the deliberate confidence in the character of God. Being fully convinced that God had the power to do what he promised. Do you believe that God has the power to do what he promised? If you believe that, then we should not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God. But we can grow strong and be empowered by faith all along the way, giving glory to God. Because we're fully convinced. We have deliberate confidence in the character of God. And in the power of God. The next point here is that when Jesus was picking his disciples, he asked them. It was a big ask. He asked them to leave their jobs and leave their families. To leave the security and the safety of all that they know and go on the road with him. Going on a road trip. A three-year road trip. We're taking off. He asked them by saying, come follow me. He asked them to leave their comfort zone and their and their safety and security of what they had wherever they were. He said to Peter and Andrew, while they were actually casting the net out into the sea, doing their job, doing the things they did every day, going through their normal routines in their standard mode of operation, he said, Matthew 4, verse 19, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Martin Luther King said, I remember seeing this a long time ago. It just came into my phone. Martin Luther King said this. Faith is taking a step when you can't see the whole staircase. How many have ever had to do that? I'm telling you, until you have done that, you hadn't lived. <laughs> Living by faith. 
taking that step. That's what those guys did. I think they may have thought about it like, well, if it doesn't work out, maybe we can come back and start fishing again. I don't know how much they thought about it. They just, he said, follow. They went. And look what happened. They didn't get an itinerary from Jesus. Well, here's what's going to happen over the next three years. Here's the cities we're going to be in. Here's the miracles I'm going to do. Here's all the wonderful things. Look at all this that you're going to be a part of. And they go, oh, wow, okay. Uh -uh." That's not what happened. It was just like, follow me. And they did it. Obedience. Taking that first step. You know, we may not see each step of the journey. That God wants to take us on. We, we probably won't see every step of it. But we can be assured of this. Listen to this. We can be ins- assured of the integrity of an immutable God. The integrity, the character of God. And why is that? Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. That means he's the same Yesterday and every day, not only from the creation of the world before this day today, but before that, he's always been the same. He's the same today. May 24th, 2020, he's the same. And he'll be the same tomorrow and every day after that until we pass from this earth and even beyond that all into eternity. He is the same. Listen to that now. Lean into that. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can trust in the integrity of an immutable God. You can trust it. Someone once said, and I think it was based on Isaiah 58, 11. I'm not sure who said it, but they said, where God guides He provides. Have you ever heard that? If not, write that down. It is so true, though. Where God guides, he provides. I think, I want to just say, the thing that I ask God to help me with the most, and there's a lot of things, too, by the way, on that list of things I ask him to help me with. But I'm going to tell you, man, the thing I ask him to help me with the most is to be willing to trust him enough to step out of whatever comfort zone I'm in, to step out of that, comfort zone and step into change and not change just for the sake of change please understand me change of what he wants me to do because if he's leading me to do something it's going to involve something changing it might be changing inside of me it might be changing in my family circumstances it might be changing where i live i don't know but it's going to ask us to change his leading his calling you to join me in that pursuit. It's not going to happen by me asking you to do it. It's going to happen by you asking God to trust him enough to allow you to do it. That's what I think I need the help with the most. Another thing that Jesus did is he could inspire and persuade people to, to think of things in new and different ways. If you just read the words of Jesus, just read the red letters in the Bible and you'll see what I'm talking about. He could persuade people into thinking new and different. Well, new and different is change. It's different. Luke 10, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. As he's sending out people now, this is what, this is what it says. After Luke's writing this, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Now, that's others than the 12 at this time. And sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, as he's 
sending them out. He's, he's, he's leaving this last thought with them. He's encouraging them with this. He's motivating. He's inspiring them. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's Jesus speaking to these men as he's sending them out two by two to the places that he was going to go. The advance team, if you will. And then in chapter 10 of Luke, verses 16 and 17, I'm going to skip the other part there, but this is something I really think you need to hear. Jesus says this to the people he's sending out. The one, now, he knows they're going to encounter some difficulty. He knows they're going to encounter some resistance. He knows they're going to encounter some skepticism and doubt and all of these kind of things. And he's also going to encounter some political problems and some, and some pious you know, Pharisees along the way, or whatever it all might be. He just knows that that's going to happen. But this is what he says. Jesus said to them, The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him, God the Father, who sent me. So he's leaving them with these words of inspiration and encouragement and instruction as he sends them out. Then they came back. And verse 20, uh, 17 says this. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now listen to this. Do you know that that us, say us. That us is today us. He wasn't just talking about the disciples there or the 72 they, the 72 were disciples, they just weren't the 12, but they were disciples of Jesus that he was sending out. It's not just talking about that. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Then it goes on and he says, you have the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, but also don't rejoice in it. Don't be, don't be uh, I think, don't be boastful in it is one of the things he was thinking. Don't be thinking that that's so great. Don't go around wearing it on your sleeve. But yes, that's what happened. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And folks, that's for you today. Even the demons of hell are subject to us in the name of Jesus. They're subject to us. <clears throat> that means that they have to do what we say. Now, it's important. All of the rest of these things I hope you're seeing as I'm trying to put this together it's not just subject to us, that's just big given to you. You have to be following Jesus. You have to be walking with Jesus. You have to be living a life of obedience to his teaching and his instructions. What I said at the very beginning is you have to listen and apply the teachings of Jesus if you're a maturing and growing disciple. If you do that, yes, they're subject to you. In the name of Jesus, I have authority over demons. Yes, I do. I have authority over the enemy of my life and the one that wants to attack my family. I have authority over that. Those inspired me, man. Can you tell? Those words of Jesus, man, it inspired me. I hope you're inspired by that as well. Just what I just said right there. The power of God working in us. And I'm going to ask if our praise team could come as we close here. Leonard Ravenhill, who was a great evangelist and author, said so many great things, had so many great uh, uh, moves of God in his ministry. And, uh, but he said this very simply. He said, any method of evangelism will work if God 
is in it. Now, there's a lot of great methods of evangelism. I'm not a, I don't, I'm not a uh, critic of any of them, really. There's evangelism explosion. There's the way of the master. There's a lot of things that are out there to train us and teach us how to do various types of evangelism. And all that's great. But let me just say this. Any type, I believe what he says, any method of evangelism will work if God is in it. So I'm asking you this again today. Would you join me? I'm asking you to do it. I'm asking you to join me because I'm doing this. To ask the Lord for an understanding. I would even say a deeper understanding. Ask him for a, uh, a knowledge a deeper understanding and knowledge for following Jesus like we never, ever have before. Would you join me in that? I'm asking you to do that because this is how we get to that point that we can impact the kingdom of God. Ask Him to to give you a hunger Don't don't just try to think it's going to happen to you on its own. Ask Him in prayer. Ask Him to give you a hunger and a desire to adopt new things, to accomplish things for His purposes, to accomplish things for kingdom purposes. Ask Him to do that. Boy, nothing's more pleasing to God than to hear a prayer like that. Join me in doing that. See, Jesus wanted the ministry of His disciples... And that's including us if we're a disciple of Jesus, if we're a Christ follower. He wants us to accomplish greater things than even he did. You know how I know that? Because he said it. He said, you will accomplish greater things. Because I have to go back to the Father. In my name you can do these things. See, He wasn't just speaking to those disciples that were there when he said that. He was speaking to us. He was speaking to all of you today. That you can do greater things. But it's going to require something new. It's going to be something different. John chapter 12 says this. Jesus said, verse 24 to 26. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Listen to this now. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. I know that doesn't sound like something that you want to hear. I'm going to say it again. Jesus said it. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, verse 26, because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. If you want to see greater things from God in your life, and I hope all of you do, if you want to see greater things And in the lives of those around you. You want your children to come back to God? You want to see greater things? You must choose one of these options. Is life here on earth? Okay, because let me just tell you. I've experienced a lot of things on life in this earth. And I don't care how rich you are, how much 
uh, power you have or influence or fame or people think of you and all of these kind of things. I am telling you, if this is the best that this world has to offer, count me out. It's not good enough. I know why people want to take their own lives. I know why there's depression that's everywhere. I know why people feel like they're just spinning their wheels and, and, and life's passing them by. Because it's not worth it. Because there's nothing in this life that matters. The only thing that matters in this life is living your life to impact the kingdom of God. That's it. That's it. Those who love their life in this world will almost certainly lose it. Jesus said we'll lose it. Got to choose. And again, I'm just going to say we have to be willing to step out of our comfort zone, no matter our circumstances. Well, Pastor Billy, you know, if I just had a little more money, I could do that. If I just had a little more of a, getting some of these things that's junk out of my life and things that are confusing and everything, I'd be able to do that. It doesn't matter the circumstances. What matters is surrendering your will to His Surrendering your will to His will. That's what matters. That's how we get there. It's taking what we want and putting it aside and say, God, what do you want? I'm surrendering my will to your will. 100% I'm doing it. There's a man named Erwin Lutzer. He was a pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago for many years. Senior pastor. Was an author also. He said something, man. This is just so amazing. He said this, you become stronger only when you become weaker. Now he's talking spiritually you become stronger when your flesh becomes weaker. That's what he means. You become stronger only when you become weaker. Listen to this now. When you surrender your will to God, you discover the resources to do what God requires. Boy, if I just had enough money... If I just had a little more stuff, if I had everything organized, if I could get all this stuff done, I'd be able to do what God wants me to do. No, you're missing it. It's the other way around. Surrender your will to His will, and you'll discover a vast array of resources that you never even knew were available to you. That comes right out of the Scripture. That's the way He quoted it. But that I could show you chapter and verse why that's true. I hope I've done some of that today, so I encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to ask our Heavenly Father, ask Him through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us to help us, like Abraham, break out of a comfort zone. Break out, step out of that and step into the future, into the new thing that He is doing, that He wants to do in our lives. Ask Him to help us do that and to follow Jesus. Yes, to follow Jesus wherever He leads. If you'll do that, you'll discover things and resources to do things that you never could even imagine. That's what's required, though. That's what's required. It's required of me. It's required of you if that's what you want from God. There is no other way to do it. You have to surrender your will to His. And boy, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's necessary. And I'm saying he'll help you do it if you, if you just ask him and every day try to just take that step. Take a step of faith. Take a step of doing something for God. Faith, work, take steps. 
I just want to finish with this story I saw. It was so, I mean, it just made me think about things. And I, it was a story of a, of a house and a family that lived in this home, and it caught fire. And the fire just started to consume the house very rapidly. And the family was able to get out except for one young boy. And the family's outside and they're looking for him and they see he's not there. And somehow he made his way to the roof of the house while the fire is consuming the house and the dad sees him. And he says, son, jump, I'll catch you. And the boy sees fire all around and all he can see is smoke and it's dark and he he can't really see anything, but the dad can see that the house is starting to incinerate and it's collapsing all around him. He knows if he doesn't jump, he's going to die. He has to jump to save his life. The dad is just saying, son, jump, I'll catch you. And the boy said, daddy, I'm scared. I can't see you. And the dad is standing there. He goes, I know you can't see me, but I can see you. I can see you. Jump. And you see, that's what it is. Fear looks. Faith jumps. It's time. It is time in our lives. It's time in my life to jump. To just say, I'm going to jump out in faith. I've got a Father God who's standing there saying, jump, I'll catch you. And I don't need to see what's all around me. I don't need to see all the steps and everything in order. Because as I do that, as I surrender my will to His, He's going to make crooked paths straight. He's going to provide the resources I need. He's going to bless me immeasurably. He's going to bring me to a deeper place of intimacy with Him. Hallelujah. This is all available to us, guys. It's all available to you. It doesn't require anything special. It requires surrendering your will to His. That's a challenge for us today, coming out of this season we're in. But I know God can do things beyond even what we can think or imagine if we're willing to do it. And as we just get ready to sing here, I'm going to ask everybody to stand, if you would. I'm going to pray over you.